Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. And good morning to those of you who are watching online, too. Let us know who you are, where you're watching from, and we're glad you're with us. Um, I wanted to let everybody know, if you don't know yet, our Wednesday nights are back in full swing. Our kids and youth on Wednesday nights have so much fun. Um, and I think we're going to be mostly outside again uh, to keep everybody safe, and it's awesome. We have a blast. We're outside in the green space uh, and the courtyard. But at 5.15, we have uh, our Wednesday night dinners are back, and this Wednesday we are having chicken fingers. And it's the Johnson's chicken fingers. They're the best. They're awesome. So you want to make sure that you sign up for that. You can do that uh, on the church app, the church website, or call the church office. Our Men at the Well group. I don't know if you've heard of our Men at the Well group. They do a Zoom on Thursday mornings at 7, and everybody loves it. You may want to check that out. It's great. So if you're up at 7 o'clock on Thursday, get on Zoom. Uh, Pastor Sam's Bible study class, too, is actually the best in all of Alabama, I've heard. It was voted that way. I don't know who voted that. I... It was Pastor Sam did that vote. So, um, But also, check out the church app. It keeps you up to date with all the great uh, upcoming church events that we have so you can stay up to date with what's going on. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we are able to worship together this morning. I pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing praise. We were the beggars. 
Man, good morning, children of God. Y'all can be seated, except for our children and Miss Catherine. They're going out this way. If you want to go to Children's Church, head that way with them. I don't know. Sometimes us grown-ups want to go too, don't we? I'm so glad that you're here. It's a wonderful thing to be able to worship with you today. Um, I want to just remind you, keep supporting your church as always. I want to thank you for the way that you've done that, uh, uh, whether we're here or not. I want to remind you, you can give through our church app. You know, our church app is a great thing, isn't it, Pastor Andy? It is a great thing. You can do all kinds of things with that thing. One of the things you can do is you can give through it. You can, um, you can find our church newsletter in there, but you can also give by text to give. You can drop your offering in the plate here. You can mail it. Um, we're behind on our budget this summer. It's the usual summer gap, I guess. But don't forget about your church. We do some wonderful, incredible ministries here, and we need your help. I also want to um, remind you that we take prayer very seriously around here. If you have prayer requests, you can send that to us, fumc at fumcgadston.org. You can just email it to us. Uh, you can put it in the comments. If you're worshiping by live stream today, you can write it in the comments. You can message us. Um, you can call the church office. We have a prayer team that meets every week. We pray for everything that you send us. We take it very seriously. You can write a note. Um, there, we have some, some news bulletins that you can get. There's a place you can tear off. You can write your prayer request down or you can tell me or Pastor Andy. Uh, we are all praying um, for the people of Afghanistan, uh, for our service men and women. We're all praying, especially for the families of those who, uh, who lost their uh, service members, their sons, uh, recently in the bombing. Praying for the refugees that are trying to leave Afghanistan right now and for the ones that are left behind. We're praying for the people of Haiti uh, who have suffered a tremendous uh, loss with the recent earthquake. We're praying for our friends in Louisiana and the Gulf Coast as they brace for uh, a hurricane on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. We're praying for our friends in the community who we've lost uh, through COVID and through other, uh, other losses. And we're praying for the ones that we know and love who are struggling right now and in the hospital and need a healing touch. We're praying for all of the needs we carry on our hearts, the ones that we don't even say out loud, the ones that only God knows. We're bringing all of that to God. And that is a part of our offering to God. We offer ourselves and we offer our joy and celebration. We also offer our sorrow to God and, and God takes that and uh, bears that burden for us. Will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? God, we are a mixed up bag of all of the things that I just mentioned out loud. We are joyful and we are just so grateful that we are your children, 
because the world tells us we're a lot of things and you know mass media and advertisement and all of that tells us all of the things that are wrong with us but we know all in all we're your children and you love us and we are free we're free to celebrate and worship and run into your arms because Lord this this life is heavy sometimes our world seems like a dangerous place Father, there are, are wildfires that are burning out west. There's a hurricane coming up the Gulf. There's a pandemic that's raging. There's war. There's violence. There's disease. There's poverty. But God, you are good. And you love us. And God, you have put us in a position to be a blessing to others. Show us, Lord, what we can do. In the meantime, God, take our heaviness and our uh, grief. We, we give it to you, Lord. Give comfort to those who are struggling right now with a heavy load of grief. Give healing to those who, who need a healing touch right now. And God, give to all of us forgiveness for when we have looked the other way, for when we have failed to reach across the gap and connect with our neighbor. Take our tithes and offerings, dear Lord, and use them to build up your kingdom. Use us too, Lord, to build up your kingdom, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're so proud to have Kaylin as a, a new part of our praise team today. Um, fun fact about Kaylin. She was one of our majorettes and for the Gadsden City Titan Band. And she played Lady Gaga her senior year. It did, if you're not a band person, you may not be impressed with that. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool. All right. All month long, we've been talking about being back to school, and we've come to the end of August. So next month in September, we're going to be talking about labor. All month long, we're going to start on Labor Day, the Sunday before Labor Day. We're going to be talking with a labor theme all month long. The last Sunday of the month, we're going to have, uh, the, the theme is going to be Labor of Love. It's our 175th anniversary. We've got more to come about that. 175th anniversary. Isn't that something? Uh, Catherine was telling me that she's, she's getting the kids ready to sing for our 175th anniversary. And she said that the kids were getting so excited about singing for the anniversary, singing for our church's anniversary. And one of the kids said, Miss Catherine, who is the church married to? But we are the bride of Christ, right? So it really is an anniversary kind of like that too, 175 years. So uh, we're going to be looking at Mark, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31 today. And the words will be up on the screen if you want to follow along there. Luke chapter 19. Uh, excuse me, verse chapter 16, starting with verse 19. I'll get it right here in a minute. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the, away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water 
and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in the manner of and like manner evil things but now he is comforted here and you are in agony besides all this between you and us a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us he said then Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was teaching high school, um, we, in addition to our classes and uh, getting our planning period, we also had uh, certain duties that we had to do. Sometimes we had to stand out in the hallway for crowd control. Sometimes we'd have lunchroom duty, sometimes parking lot duty, all of this kind of stuff. But one of the ways that I helped a lot of times was in-school suspension. Y'all know what in-school suspension is? Don't tell me how you know what in-school suspension is, okay? But just tell me that you know. But uh, as far as my perspective went, in-school suspension was one of the best uh, duties that you could get because it was quiet in there. You could grade papers. Uh, about all you had to do in in-school suspension was to keep the kids from going to sleep because that was one of the rules. One of the rules for ISS is you couldn't sleep. You also couldn't talk. You couldn't write notes to each other. You couldn't get out of your seat. You couldn't do any other kind of monkey business, okay? No monkey business at all. You just had to sit there and do your schoolwork and ponder the error of your ways. Because after all, you were in in-school suspension because you did something you weren't supposed to or you didn't do something you were supposed to do. In-school suspension. I remember it well. Well, did you know that one of my favorite movies, one of the most celebrated movies from the 1980s, was based around in-school suspension? It was The Breakfast Club. Any of y'all ever see The Breakfast Club? Okay, well, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't know. I, I love that movie, but don't go and tell somebody, Pastor Sam told me to go home and watch The Breakfast Club because there's language and stuff in there. I don't approve. Pastor Sam is not giving, I'm just giving you a disclaimer, okay? If you watch it, watch it at your own risk. I'm just saying it's got a very compelling story. It's got a story really worth telling. Um, so at the center of this story are these five students who have to go to in-school suspension. They have to go on a Saturday morning, Pastor Andy. I don't know if I could have handled that. That would have turned me against the life of crime. Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Are you kidding? They all had to go. 
Um, and these five students could not have been any more different. There was John Bender, who was just an absolute criminal. I mean, leather boots and jackets and the piercings and the long hair and the attitude, man, the attitude. Then there was Andrew Clark, the jock who had on the letterman's jacket and he was all buff and everything. There was Brian Johnson, who was the brain. He was, he was wanting to know if he could get extra credit for this or something. You know, he's always that kind of thing. There was Claire Standish, who was the princess, okay? And then there was Allison Reynolds, who was the basket case. I mean, just weird. So you've got the criminal, the jock, the brain, the princess, and the basket case. And they're all sitting there. Um, and there is really, if you think about it, a giant gap, a, just a, a chasm, really, between all of these students. None of them would dare to cross that gap and speak to each other in the course of a normal day. It would never happen. But here they are, forced to be in a close location on Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, listening to Principal Vernon, who is up there strutting around in his leisure suit. Oh, my gosh. In his leisure suit, and he's telling them, don't sleep, don't talk, don't move from your seat, and you've got to write a thousand-word essay on who you think you are. Well, every movie has got to have conflict, right? Or it's no fun. So if you haven't even seen the movie, you can probably guess where the conflict's going to come. The conflict comes between Principal Vernon in his leisure suit and John Bender, the criminal. Because uh, Principal Vernon makes his speech. He gets done with his speech, and he says, are there any questions? And... Um, John Bender, who has his feet up on the table, uh, says, yeah, I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know you raid his wardrobe? Okay, some of y'all are not going to get that. And Principal Vernon says, you'll find out the answer to that question next Saturday, Bender. Don't mess with the bull, son. You'll get the horns. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie. I've always wanted to use that line. I never can remember it when I knit. Don't mess with the bull, son. You'll get the horns. Well, anyway, over the course of the day, these five totally different students from totally different worlds start to talk to each other. And it's really kind of rocky at first. There's conflicts. They get into arguments. But they find out something. They find out that all five of them, as different as they are, all have something in common. They all have a difficult relationship with their parents. They all have the same fear. They're afraid that they're going to turn out to be as messed up as all of the grown-ups that they see around them. They realize that... Even though they're here and they're talking on a Saturday morning in ISS, that they're going to be tempted come Monday morning, they're going to be tempted to go back to their own cliques, back to the way it was, back to never speaking to each other again. And they realize all of this. 
one of the ways that they start to open up each other, one of the ways they start to kind of reach across that gap between each other is by sharing um, the, really the only thing they have on them. The guys uh, dump out their, their wallets and the girls dump out their purses. And in this one scene, they're all sitting there talking and Allison, the basket case, takes her big purse and she dumps it all out on the couch. And man, I want to tell you what, there's everything in there, just a little bit of every, every kind of kooky thing you can think of. But there's also like too much stuff in there, like, like a, almost like a carry-on bag. There's a change of clothes in there. And they're, they're saying, do you always carry all this in your purse? And she says, yeah, I always carry this in my purse. And and the boys, Andrew and Brian, want to know why. And she says she never knows when she might have to run away. And they kind of make fun of her a little bit. And she storms out of the room upset. And Andrew, the jock, goes and checks on her. And he says, hi, you want to talk? And she says, no. And Andrew says, why not? And she says, go away. And he says, okay, well, where do you want me to go? And she says, I don't know, just go away. And so he turns to go away, and she starts crying. And she says, you've got a problem. And he turns around and says, I've got a problem. What do you mean I've got a problem? What's my problem? She says, your problem is you do everything everybody tells you to do. Andrew says, okay, fine, but I didn't dump my purse out in front of every, everybody and invite people into my problems, so what is it? Tell me, talk to me, what's wrong? Is it bad? And she kind of nods a little bit. Is it real bad? She kind of nods some more. Is it your parents? By this time, she's crying, you know, tears are just streaming. And she nods her head and he says, yeah. And then he asks this question, what do they do to you? And then Allison looks at him, tears streaming down her eyes, and she said, they ignore me. And Andrew nods and says, yeah. And now he's got tears in his eyes too. And now all of a sudden, Across the divide, they make a connection. You see? They make a connection. A connection that would never have happened in the real world, but it happened in in-school suspension. In the real world, they would have completely ignored each other because, remember, there's a giant chasm between them, but somehow it gets bridged because of ISS. Okay, so stick with me here. I was thinking, what if the rich man and Lazarus were both put in ISS? Okay, come on, use your imagination. What if the rich man, in this story that Jesus told, and Lazarus were both put in ISS on a Saturday morning? Talk about a movie. I mean, it would have been... 
It would have been crazy because they were, I mean, they were even more different than the five kids in Breakfast Club. There was, there was the rich man who was covered in fine linen, and there was Lazarus who was covered in sores, right? There was the rich man who feasted sumptuously every day, and there was Lazarus who longed for the crumbs under the table. Well, let me just kind of stop here and explain the crumbs under the table thing. In, in that day, um, whenever the rich people had a big feast, of course, they didn't have utensils, so they, they ate with their hands. And they didn't have napkins, really, so um, they, they would tear off hunks of bread and wipe the grease and the gravy and stuff off their hands, and they would toss the hunks of bread underneath the table for the dogs. Now, feasting itself isn't a bad thing. Uh, Jesus talked about how the kingdom of heaven is like a feast. The, the father had the fatted calf killed when the prodigal son came out. There's always a time to feast, but to feast every day? To feast every day? Okay, back to the differences. The rich man lived in a mansion. The Lazarus was tossed out by the gate. The rich man had servants attending to his every need. Lazarus had the dogs to lick his sores. You get the picture? Huge gap. Huge chasm between these men. But if they were sitting together, sitting together in a quiet library with nothing else to do except be there, do you think they could have connected? Do you think they could have found something in common? Who knows? We'll never know. But I do know this. I do know that they did have at least one thing in common. And you know what that was? They both died. Death. It, death is the great equalizer, I guess, because we all have that in common. But after they died, after they died, there's another huge chasm that separates them. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham to be comforted in paradise. The rich man died and was carried to the other side of Hades. Hades was just the place of the dead. It's called Sheol in the Old Testament. He was carried to the other side of Hades to a place of torment to a place of torment. Now, I want you to stop here for a second. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Why was the rich man tormented in Hades? Was it because he was rich? No. Abraham was rich. Was it because he did something to Lazarus? No, he didn't go and kick Lazarus every day when, when he walked by. Okay, let's remember that 80s movie, The Breakfast Club, again real quick. Do you remember when I just told you that Alison Clark said her parents, Andrew says, what did they do? Is it bad? She said, they ignore me. 
Yeah. They just walked right by. They didn't even see. You see, Lazarus was just dying right at his doorstep. Maybe at one time he did see him. But now he was part of the scenery. They, he didn't even see him. It's kind of the opposite of being a neighbor. It's kind of the opposite of what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor. It's kind of the opposite of what the Samaritan did in the story of the Good Samaritan. I've heard it said that neighborliness is the barometer of your soul. I've also heard it said that, that a neighbor is not a geographical term, it's a moral term. To love your neighbor is to be moral. So the rich man is tormented and he calls out across the chasm, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Have Lazarus come over here and dip the finger of his finger in a water and cool my tongue. And in verse 25, listen to these words again. Listen to these two words. Child, remember. These are the two words that make hell, hell. Child, remember. Child, remember. Remember those times when you walked by. Remember the times that you walked by this man who was starving to death, who had sores all over his body. Remember. Remember that you didn't have any compassion even to give him the leftovers. Remember that, that you didn't take care of his needs. The dogs had more compassion than you did. Remember. And the rich man says, well, if you won't do that, then please send Lazarus back. You see, he's still wanting to order Lazarus around, order Lazarus to come over there and cool his tongue, order Lazarus to go back and tell his brothers, order Lazarus to go back and warn my brothers so they don't come to this place. Abraham said, no, they've got the law and the prophets. They've got the law and the prophets. Both the law and the prophets tell them to have compassion on their neighbors. Both the law and the prophets tell them not to ignore the stranger and the needy. If they don't pay attention to what they already have, they won't even listen, even if somebody comes back from the dead. Remember who Jesus is telling this story to in the first place. If you back up in the chapter to verse 14, it says, it starts out this way in verse 14. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all of this and ridiculed him. The Pharisees ridiculed him. The word ridicule literally means they turned their nose up at Jesus. They turned their nose up. Despite the fact that they had the law and the prophets, both of which told them not to ignore their neighbor. And Jesus is telling them, even if I come back from the grave, which I will, but even if I come back as the resurrected Lord and come and speak to you, you still are not going to believe. Some people read this parable that Jesus tells, and they see it as some kind of, I don't know, map 
of hell, blueprint of hell or something like that. But you know what this parable is really about? It's about those who love themselves and their stuff more than they love helping their neighbor. It's about the gap that is already there that we all just have to decide if we're going to reach across it or not. Because, you know, let's don't fool ourselves. We are the rich guy in this story. We're the rich guy in this story. And you say, well, Pastor Sam, you don't know me very well. I'm not rich. Well, I could ask you to raise your hand, but I won't. But I ask you just to think about this. Answer this question in your heart. How many of you have a car? I'm trying to take care of five, but that's a whole other problem. So if you have a car, you're part of only 8% of the population in the world. The other 92% of the population of the world would look at you and you have a car and they would say, must be nice. How many of you ate something this morning? Probably all of us. Something like 800 million people in the world won't eat today, won't eat at all today. And they look at us and they say, must be nice. I could go on and on and on. But you know in your heart, don't you, that there is a giant chasm between our world and the world. So what would it take? What would it take for us to reach across the gap? What would it take? Victor Frankl is a, uh, was an Austrian psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor and neurologist and writer and very famous guy. And he said this, and I think this is true. He said, between any stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space, there is the power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. I'm going to say that again. Between any stimulus and response, there's a space, a gap, right? And in that space is the power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. So, before this rich man in Jesus' parable ever became just numb and blind to the guy who was laying at his gate, there was the stimulus of seeing this starving, sore-covered man laying at his gate. There's a, there's a stimulus there. There's a space. And in that space, he had a choice to make. Am I going to love my neighbor or am I going to be selfish and ignore So, in The Breakfast Club, the movie I've been talking about, when Allison dumps her purse out on the couch for everybody to see, it's like the stimulus, and there's a choice to make. Are we going to reach across the divide and respond to her? She's opened up. She's made herself vulnerable. Or 
Are we going to ignore her like her parents do? Are we going to ignore her like we do every school day because she's a basket case? So we, as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves in our heart. That's the stimulus, okay? We see a need that needs to be met. We see a gap that needs to be reached across. The Holy Spirit moves in our hearts. That's the stimulus. And there's a space of time where we have a choice. Am I going to trust and listen to the Holy Spirit? Am I going to obey? Am I going to quench the Spirit? Am I going to be wrapped up in my own self, in my own world, in my own needs? Because the Holy Spirit is how we decide, y'all. We don't just decide based on who asks us for help because not everybody that needs our help is going to ask for our help. True? Not everybody that needs our help is going to ask for it. And not everybody that asks for it really needs it. Jesus didn't give everything to everybody that asked him for something. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to separate these things out. Pastor Sam... You might be thinking, Pastor Sam, are you trying to make me feel bad today? Because I've got stuff, because I'm blessed. I'm not trying to do that, I promise. It's wonderful to have stuff. It's wonderful to be blessed. I'm glad that we are. But it means we're in a position. It means that God has positioned us to be a blessing to others, you think. Think of, think of this as a timeout. Think of this worship time as your timeout. Your ISS. What will you do with that space? What will you do with that gap between you and that person that you see? Well, the gospel is good news, always good news. And where's the good news in this message? It seems like kind of a downer, but where's the good news? The good news is, the good news is, we're still alive. We still have a chance to do the right thing. It's not too late for us. It's not too late for us to wake up from our sleepwalking to ponder how we can reach across the gap to somebody who maybe we would never think about reaching across to. Because there's no sleeping in ISS, remember? There's no sleeping, only time to ponder who we think we are and who we want to be with God's help. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Lord, you have told us in the law that we should keep a Sabbath, that there should be a time when we suspend the things that we normally do, and we take that time to ponder you and worship you. And this is what we're here for. 
we're here to, to give you our worship and also to ponder who we are and who we want to be. And maybe who we are is full of ourself and blind to those who seem like they're across too big of a gap for us who are in a different world from us. Maybe we're so wrapped up in ourselves that we have gone to sleep. Wake us up, Lord. Show us how we can reach across. Because you were that bridge for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we worship together?
Okay, after that beautiful song, I don't see how I cannot do the old school MYF benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.